Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with John Borshoff, CEO and MD of Deep Yellow. Now, this guy is the grandfather of uranium. I don't think he'd mind me saying that. If you are invested in any uranium juniors, you need to watch this video. We talk about the market, how some companies are playing it, how some companies will succeed and how many won't. We also look at the recent appointments that they've made to their board and how they hope that advances their own agenda. Uh, plus, we talk MA, of course. Lots of other topics discussed. And if you're a uranium investor, definitely, definitely watch this. If you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, uh, John, the topics discussed, uh, and his company, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. We've got commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including our weekly uranium show, uh, which is always an eye-opener. Uh, we've got training courses on there and we do summaries of all the interviews that we do just to save you some time because we know you're busy people. Uh, but more excitingly, I think, is there's a wonderful thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe and friendly environment, free from all that judgment, trolling and abuse you may get elsewhere. So go and join them, cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. There's a little bit of a waiting list because it's been slightly inundated recently, but well worth the wait when you get there. So cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. John, how are you doing, sir? Very well, thank you. Good, Good to be back. Well, I'm glad to have you back. I'm glad to have you back because uh, the sector seems to be going uh, a little bit crazy. I'd like some explanations as to what is going on because <laughs> I've heard different versions. Yes. I've heard different versions. Um, how are you, first of all? Are you well? Very well. Yes, we've, uh, as I say, we've got a clear, a clear sort of uh, path to the horizon and beyond, and uh, and so. Uh, working everything to that to those goals keeps you keeps you fresh and uh, and uh, enable you to measure against your own internal milestones, which I think are really important. That we've got to get to uh, in this uh, really quite strange sector that we're working. in. We are in a strange sector at the moment, um, but we're going to talk all about it in a second. But first, for people new to this space, maybe to tell people a little bit about well, a little bit about you. And maybe a one-minute summary on the business, and then I'll pick it up from there with some questions, if I may. So, I'm, uh, as, you, as you know, a geologist. I've been in the uranium business for 40 years, nearly um, extremely successful with a contrarian play with Paladin Energy, which I founded, and it went to sort of extraordinary sort of position based on, you know, yes, contrarian, yes, a, a, an understanding of the sort of uh, uh, the sector, and taking a punt that um, uh, nuclear had to come in and the Chinese came in and there was the story. Uh, thereafter, when I left um, uh, Paladin, I then had a six-month uh, holiday and thought there's another even more astounding uh, sort of uh, supply situation emerging, which um, was was uh, not, the, not the demand side, but as I mentioned before, the, the supply. And uh, and with a uh, a need, I believe, for more more new uh, more sort of nuclear contribution to electricity, got involved with Deep Yellow um, uh, four or five years ago, a little six million dollar company, and we saw potential in Namibia and also sector consolidation. Raised money through my old friend Rick Rule uh, and the inertial parts, and uh, and we proceeded hugely successful in Namibia. We've now got a project in a definitive feasibility stage and uh, and also uh, been really getting the company, building it and uh, and preparing it for what will be a builder's paradise for uranium mines in the next two, three years. That's what we're at. Fantastic. Okay. Um, now we've seen a few times and you've always um, been, you know, uh, keen to say, look, you can't build businesses on hype. You can't build businesses on promote. You've got to look at the fundamentals, okay? And you, you know, we've had conversations about the timing of the recovery of the, the sector and what needs, what you know, what, what's right with it, what's wrong with it, okay? Um, and you've got the timing right so far. That's good. Um, but one of the things that you said to me was the skills required to build a uranium company, not promote to build a uranium company, are you know, are, are waning. The people are leaving the sector. It's been it's been a while. 
you've done some uh, recruiting recently. Tell us about it. Yes. Uh, so that's uh, that's really an important. As, as our company evolves, it starts uh, encroaching onto new sort of uh, situations we need to deal with. Um, and uh, from I'm, I'm virtually bringing back the old team. Uh, I've got Andrew Merko, who's now head of uh, business development. He was treasurer. He did all the finance, project financing, bank financing for for uh, to uh, the Langer Heinrich and Kayla Kerr. So essentially, a multi-skilled guy, but very, very uh, sort of uh, good uh, in 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 the sort of M and A side. We've got our targets. He'll be focusing on that. So that, that then is the, the sort of other cornerstone of our growth that uh, we, we need to address in the uh, inorganic side. The organic's going very well, thank you, and that we've got uh, all the people. On top of that, our board needs uh, refreshing or uh, was obvious that uh, as you, know, you can't have a board that be just basically sustaining a company and not really uh, got credibility globally, credential and uh, looking for an appropriate chairman and, and it was just absolutely a manner from heaven getting Chris Salisbury, um, an ex, uh, you know, worked on the Australia, head of your Australia, Rio Uranium and, and ERA range, then in Rossing, understands, very relevant, um, also technically, uh, corporately and, and those things. So um, that opportunity arose. He... he of all of the opportunities he has to come in, he's chosen Deep Yellow as the one that uh, is a pro-uranium naturally, but the vehicle that he thinks has got the best chance of doing things. So that that uh, let me ask you about him, are. if I can, John, because I think you know it's important that the the guys you bring in actually add value. They're not just names. So you said he's chosen Deep Yellow. Does that mean he's one hundred percent focused on on your business? And if so, what have you tasked him with doing that you can't do or you couldn't do before? So basically, uh, a, a, a chairman and an MD work in, in, a, in a really uh, strange but I think fantastic relationship where the, the MD is looking after the, the sort of day-to-day, uh, he presents the, the vision, the strategy to the, to the board, um, uh, the uh, the chairman through understanding of the industry, through understanding of what's uh, what's involved, be it in an M and A or be it in a, a DFS, understanding how independent directors need to be nurtured, brought, you know, brought around wherever. Uh, so he he looks at the sort of the horizon, although in in a, in a strategic sense I am, but also getting the board. Uh, to be relevant to the time in which the company exists. So a board has to evolve exactly as management has to evolve. And we've now started that essential process and not to sort of stagnate a board, which is, uh, you know, which is capabilities may be argued to be not what they should be when you're going into complex, uh, uh, complex production future. But, but what does that mean? Okay, that, 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 seems, that seems quite generic to me. And if I listen yeah. to some of these other juniors... They'll, yeah, they'll say yeah. the same thing. They'll say exactly yeah, the same yeah. thing. So what does it actually mean for you in terms of uh, yeah. growth, yeah. value creation, advancing the company? What's he going to do? Well, I think that uh, what, what he will do is that he, uh, I can open uh, lots of doors, he can open lots of doors. He can uh, talk, uh, you know, government levels and, and support. There's always conversations that an MD talks to governments that are a bit different than what an M, where the chairman can talk. All supportive, all sort of uh, additive, and and that that is not a a sort of comfortable thing where you just roll out a, a chairman every board meeting or at a crisis time uh, or at a takeover. And that's the only time, and uh, and I think a a chairman has a a real role. Particularly, I mean, I've known the guy since two thousand and four. Uh, we we work uh, together, collegiate, but still have our difference of opinion. That sort of um, interaction creates a, a better result, and uh, I'm I'm really excited uh, what what his contribution uh, will be. And he understands the role he needs to play as chairman and the role I need to play as, as an MD. 
to get our company into into the next uh, sort of level. Batman and Robin. Yeah, Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Kapow. Right. <laughs> well, well let, let me let me talk about um some of these other companies who are yeah. going into the market with <clears throat> a different set of skills. Because I, I I think I know we're gonna talk about the DFS and some upgrading on the drill results, which which is all kind of good stuff. But the people make the business, the people grow the business, create value. So I'm, like I said, I'm hearing noise, these sorts of noises from other companies, but it seems to me there's a whole bunch of theory. It's kind of like we've got the recipe book. We know what we're meant to be doing. We haven't done it before. We've never made this recipe yeah. before, but we've got the recipe book. Sure. So surely it's quite easy to actually do those things, isn't it? Well, the uh, it's, it's an interesting uh, observation you make because the the, the f- there's been so few companies of the small cap, mid caps, that have made it to production in the last 70 years. And in fact, there has only been outside of the US three companies. Denison, back in the 50s, I've mentioned it before, uh, a company um, in, um, in the Northern Territory, Queensland Mines, and, and Paladin. So when you look at that, even, even uh, over time, um, you're competing against the big timbers, the big uh, government uh, uh, associated companies, the big multinationals like what was BA, you know, uh, CRA or Rio and many others. And so in there, you've got to really be smart, clever, knowledgeable and, and to have the respect of those groups as well in terms of getting there. So the, the, the failure rate of companies, and not only failure, but some of them don't even try. They sort of dress up, do it, and then put it into another, you know, another company buys it. And um, the the US sector has been a little bit more entrepreneurial in that side. It has a history of this sort of, but the US is now in the small mines brigade, and they're not there that they'll be substantially affecting the supply of the future. So now you put on top of that this sort of uh, diminution or uh, this erosion of expertise and, uh, and, and the, the whole a mining operation and a business because it is that business that is in its complete form, not just producing uranium but selling it and, and getting it into a market and then uh, the shareholders to be kept. So the, the expertise is a, a real team play that everybody is important that everybody knows what they've done. They've been there before, and uh, and and getting that coherency into your your company experience, where there can be confidence that yes, we will deliver. And now with this ESG that's coming, that everybody's so sort of uh, you know fascinated by. Well, uranium business and nuclear have always worked with an ESG component because they've had to do this before their time to satisfy concerns, fears, whatever you may have. So there haven't been any uh, juniors that have, I'd say any juniors that have produced. Teams are the only, that is the paladin one, which one I have uh, with me, the core part of that. So if there are going to be difficulties. Yes, doesn't mean some won't make it, but it's not going to be that everybody is there with, as I say, leading a fairly sedentary role over the last 10 years, uh, patching up, you know, uh, fine-tuning a DFS with a deposit that was discovered 15 years ago or whatever. Uh, it's a different condition now than to say, hell, sleeves up, and I've now got to... Bloody, we'll get to the you know issue of yes, getting a, a technical model that we believe in, convincing banks that to, to fund that, and then to get uh, uh, utilities to believe and put out a contract three to four years up front, and that you they're confident that they'll be delivered. So that's the complexities of of this this business where you're on sort of contract obligations where if you fail, there's no other source of uranium that can take the place of that. And, um, and that's, that's why you've got to rely on your own, on your own sort of abilities and merits uh, to, to have confidence that you say you're going to deliver this and you'll do it. See, it's, it's a really interesting conversation. It, 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 so that's the optics of a mine builder, a company builder. 
Optics through an investor, and I'm going to admit, I'm, I think I'm going to say, I'm going to say I'm wrong. I was partially wrong about this. All boats will float on a high tide, which, which I kind of, it kind of went against everything that we we believe in in terms of investing, because yeah. that's playing the game of promote. That's a momentum market thing, whereas we've always been fundamental investors, believing, in, you know, I want the company to actually get into production. Yes, yes. Little things like so, a little yeah, bit like you. So, so I've been I've been wrong because. If I look at the equities market, a lot of the uranium juniors have seen fantastic uh, movement over the past, you know, three, four months. And they've been taking the opportunity to raise capital, which should have, you know, surely advances their the likelihood of them getting into production, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's it's the same same people with more money with the same project. You, you, you got what I mean? Where's the wealth going to be created there apart from the uranium train and the uranium price coming up? And doing something, but to increasing wealth, the footprint of a company is is really really important. And um, so, yes. And look, I, I think in a degree to a degree that uh, everything is on a rising tide, uh, that people will go up. But I just take example that if you do it right, if you have a a company that develops on all aspects of what it needs to deliver in terms of project pipeline, in terms of uh, uh, a project that can happen. What happens is instead of having a, a 1,000 to 2,000 uh, percent increase, you got then a 100,000 percent increase, which is what Paladin did. So the more you get these things and you say what is needed at the time that high price is there beyond your project that you're going to mine and deliver on, those things become immeasurably invaluable uh, in terms of creating well, and differentiating the sort of wealth-creating potential of, of a company. And, and, and that's, I think, um, you know, the sort of single, the single trick pony um, and the only big, big single trick pony around is next gen because they can sit on this. This is not a pony. This is a goddamn big bloody ox. And uh, and they they can be there for fifty years, but all the others are just. And it's an interesting thing. Somebody said to me, uh, it was at, uh, on a conference. Said, oh, "Look, um, the life of a, a reactor is about sixty to let's say eighty years in future. This reactor will consume in its time eight to ten ore bodies, in the sense of." There's one or body that's, uh, and it's not going to consume at all because there'll be others. But what I'm trying to get to is that it's going to, you know, a mine might be seven years, it goes. It might be one 10 years, it goes. Another one might uh, come in. But it's gone, you know, there's this replacive need for, for, for fuel uh, for everybody. And, uh, and that's, that's the whole context of why project pipelines are important. Why utilities regard these uh, important because they are looking at say oh well if we got this uh, group we have a, a supply source and it's only part of what their needs are for over forty years and uh, and that's what the Camicos, the Kazanaproms, the Rio, the Rios of old uh, used to do and uh, and the Aranos. Um, so you've got to try and simulate and emulate that type of need to differentiate yourself from uh, just a a, a company that just produces for five, ten years, and then and then disappears because where does it find the replacement one? Essentially, I mean, talking about high, using the analogy of a high tide. A high, there's also a similar one which talks about when, you know, when the tide goes out, you see who's naked. Um, and in, in in that sense, the that for me is when can companies get contracts? Can companies get contracts because they are going to need to show the utilities that, one, they can get into production. They're going to, need to show financiers that they can get into production economically. And there's some sustainability to that story for both sets of parties, right? Mm -hmm. Do you, I mean, are you looking around them, using your experience, okay? And so we should be talking a bit more about Deep Yellow, but I'm trying to understand the comp competitive environment for you, right? So are you listening to some of these stories, these other uranium juniors, with some degree of, of, of cynicism or, um, or, you know, disbelief? Because if, you know, if we listen to what everyone's saying, there's going to be more uranium than we need. That's right. 
I, I only do it from what I'm doing. I will never approach a utility. Well, why approach it when they don't believe there's going to be a shortage? Why, why humiliate yourself uh, to a group and then to say, oh, oh, you know, I'll promise you I can do this? I, I was going to use the word with F on the front of it, but stuff them. They, you know, when I can, when I can, uh, when I'm ready and we can deliver, and, and my perception is that there's not going to be much product coming in, that's when you can talk and say, look, boys, uh, we've got a project. We, we now can uh, uh, talk. And for sure, we'll meet up uh, at, at times and uh, say, look, this is where we're at, but I'm not going to mention contracts. I'm not going to mention uh, that um, it's a, it's only when you're hungry that you'll eat on the goddamn table, and 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 if you're not hungry, you can bloody well put the best meal out in front of them, and they'll just push it aside, because the look, no matter what you what people say, there is something broken in the in the supply demand sector. You can't be talking. What's, you know, yes, this is happening and that's happening. And people are sort of uh, wetting their pants on a 15 cent increase in the, in, the, uh, in the uranium price and it's still sitting around 30. I mean, it's a useless, completely, whether it went from 24 to 30 or back 27 to 33, it's a completely useless increase. And then, and then you get company, uh, these, 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 these reports, oh, it went up 23%. It's 23% of useless numbers that are never going to incentivize anybody. And um, let me, let's see what the numbers need to get back. Let's see that uh, where, where they're going to go double. And even if they don't go, even before they get to double, even if they get to 45.50, I've said it before, that's not going to satisfy anybody because fear is there. They're going to overshoot that bloody price fighting for minimal supply. And, and these guys are out there. You know, oh, yeah, somehow they're talking more to the shareholders than the realities of their business of saying, oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going to utility and I'm, I'm actually looking uh, to secure contracts. In this environment, you've got to believe the future needs the product and, and, and work to that. Those contracts will come to you and not as a legacy contract, but at prices that you believe should be sustainable. Cameco is trying to work that model and, and saying that they're not, you know, they're not going to go out there and, uh, and, and uh, just sort of, well, virtually kill their own future by, by doing things where they honestly believe that to have a sustainable supply sector, it has to go way beyond what is the comfort zone of these numbers people are saying. So how, how, so, I, so how do we move this forward, John? Because uh, I, I'm, I'm uh, looking at I'm looking at the market and I'm seeing some Athabasca stories, market cap way bigger than yours. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, obviously we'll, we'll, we'll put a you know there's 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 a couple perhaps you know deservedly so they've got you know they've got a lot going for them. Um, a lot of the others not so much um, because no sort of sense of permits, license, technology. Timing, cost, all of those, all of those wonderful things that you probably need for one of those. What are they called? Commercial businesses. <laughs> you know, um, so the rules don't seem to apply in uranium anymore because there's a lot of FOMO. There's a lot of um, belief in where this is going, and as you say, there's a lot of belief in all of these companies' ability to actually start producing pounds economically. So, how should we investors play this game? What should we be looking at? Well, I think I think that there is there are some aberrations that have happened over the last two two months, three months, which which took people by storm. And uh, this is uh, companies that are buying uh, uranium product, small ones. Yeah. And um, I mean, if if you're confident you're going to produce, and if you're confident that everything you raise should be to the focus of increasing the wealth of your company by some transaction or something, then to, die, to, to buy a product. And I'll tell you, if they go for bank financing, 
that product will be tied up in mortgages like you don't believe because it's not going to be released because they'll have it there as security like like they've got the miners' security. It's not as simple as, you know, having it there and, and then I'll dribble it out and, and, and you dribble it out so people think, oh, he's, they're, they're selling the inventory so they can't bloody well produce. The only people that is legitimate for collecting uranium are the yellow cakes and the UPCs, legitimate you know, uh, ETFs or whatever you call them, and they are there doing their business as a business. But spending part-time money on a speculative, uh, uh, in a speculative area where, where it's all about creating wealth, I think it's sort of people, it's more finance people must be running some of these companies that, that oh, no, we'll buy that and we'll be safe and if we don't produce enough uranium, we can then sell, you know, sell that. Well, that means if they can't do that, they're failing on their project in production. You can't have it both ways. So I don't understand this, uh, this, this sort of move, this sort of flurry of, uh, you know, let's, let's get a million pounds or 300,000 pounds. Um, talk to me about, you know, the weaponizing of UPC by the Sprott Group. That's a different story. Or Yellow Cake with its fabulous deal uh, with the with how it got with the Kazadamprop. That's a fabulous story, uh, but they're on a completely different dimension uh, in terms of you know, you, you know as 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 juniors, we've got other priorities and people are investing in us to, to put value in a different sort of way. So you that's you're, my so let, let's let's talk about that because I think it's really interesting. That some of the companies that have done it, you know, we looked at Danison and, and Boss, and I think UEC yeah, as well. You're saying. Don't get distracted. Focus on the business yeah. of producing uranium. Yeah. That is a short-term win in the market or a distraction in the market. Or, yeah. Right. That's your approach. Stick with the basics. Yes, yes. because that's, that's the business we're in. The business we're in is to, to develop mines and sell uranium. And, uh, and there are other ways of, you know, sort of overcoming any uh, temporary shortfalls than investing all this money uh, that'll be sitting there for 10 years with some of these companies, not used. And I just, you know, um, anyway, that's how they see it. And that's that's well and good. I could be absolutely wrong. And um, uh, But uh, I think that uh, if you're, if you're uh, investing in me or somebody's investing in me, they're, they're investing uh, for us to position ourselves, differentiate ourselves, and in the end produce uranium at, you know, whatever, whatever we've declared. And the uh, and have enough projects behind us uh, to keep that sustainable, and also to grow that if demand uh, demands it, and have the ability to put multiple operations uh, uh, going. And that's I think that's that's the core of it. Uh, did you ever hear of uh, you know Rio uh, buying uranium apart from inventory that they develop from their own production? No, and. Uh, and Cameco, I mean, they, they built their inventory from their own production. They're only doing now buying because it's a completely, it's not to be compared to those small companies buying uranium. They're doing it because they're servicing sort of contracts and there's a, there's a differential and a coupon rate, you know, there's a sort of a, a, a value add that they, they clip the coupon on the way through. Different. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, should have been, I think, a bit better, a bit better thought out and, and uh, uh, Sprott and UPC can do what they like and they are doing what needs to be done. But that doesn't mean I have to emulate them as they don't have to emulate me to, to produce uranium yeah. or a produce. So, okay. Two different areas. They are, they are they're two, two different revenue streams. But I think, you know, some yeah. of those companies would argue the point that say, well, this allows us to have conversations with utilities. You say you're not going to chase after utilities. They're going to come after you. But these companies are, they have a, a people appointed to speak to utilities. And this allows them to have a conversation much earlier to get in front of them and look credible because they do have a supply there. Um, is there anything wrong with that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, a, a typical mine will, uh, over its years, let's say it's a 3,000 or 5,000 uh, uh, million pound per annum, over a 10-year, will produce 50 million pounds. And of that 50 million pounds, it will put into the market 40 million into long term. 
what's a piddly goddamn 500,000 pounds or a million pounds that you're going to go up there with your little buddy, little, little, little purse and sort of try and say, well, look, you know, this is what I'm going to do when this is the order of what long-term contracts are. So it doesn't actually give that much comfort. It's, you know, people might argue that, well, well, look, in that uncertainty, I can can then get long-term contracts and uh, and then sell this stuff in the early part because I'm not producing. And well, okay, it's a high risk. It's a it's a risk diminishing of a of a risk averse group that hasn't done it before, and maybe they they think they need it. I don't think they did. Paladin went into eight million pounds per annum, and it didn't have any bought, didn't buy anything to to sort of do that. Just relied on you know, look, we're going to do it. And uh, squeeze through, do this, do that, and uh, but we, you know, we didn't even have enough money, or as these companies will find out, to have sunk sixty million into a a warehouse where they need then to to, you know, in working capital and other things, that that money sort of locked away there, or that 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 you know that that sort of asset. So you uh, a, a growing mining company needs all the money it can get. And then if it borrows off that asset, it's actually done something wrong because then it can't supply. You can't, you can't do it for two reasons. You can't sort of borrow off the asset and, owe, and then owe a debt to somebody else outside your utility. It's it just a confusing lot of uh, options that are there, I think. And, uh, but they look on the first instance, when you look at it, gee, that's a good thing that, they, that people have done. It, it seems good. But when you think about it, real down, down there, it's um, it's it, you know, it's hedging for gold. Fine. Which bloody company buys the gold? You know what I mean? And says, oh well, we're going to go into your a gold mine now, and we will be actually buy gold, lock it up there, freeze our bloody uh, uh, liquidity, and uh, and then try and develop a mine. They're two different things in my mind. Okay, so you're going to focus. You're not doing that. You're going to focus no. your eyes on the price, which is get this thing into production, and then you know, or get this thing yes. to a point where it's, it, it can get into production, and that's when the real meaningful uh, yes. value is gained. Uh, yes. Right. So, so let's look at that because you mentioned earlier spot price where it is now, whether it moves twenty five cents or twenty or twenty five percent. Doesn't yes, change yes. the game, okay. right? Um, so as much as people want to talk about it or point at it as a, as a moment in time, which is really important, it, it's not right now. So what is that moment when? Because you've you forecast out twenty two, twenty three to me previously. You know, you said that you called it eighteen months ago. You haven't you not been distracted by any of the kind of catalyst moments which have come and gone, yeah. and no one and nothing changed. So. What's your view on the future timing? When when does uranium as an investment become more relevant? So right. So the two things are is that uh, in developing, let's say, the definitive uh, yeah, bankable feasibility study, uh, at some time through the progress of that of, of that uh, study, you start engaging with with banks you've dealt with before. You start, uh, you know, start, you're not even talking about the, the the funding. You're talking about confidence that group has in your group because they, they're also not financiers. They're full of metallurgists, bloody geologists, engineers and all those sort of things that vet you. So now you get that sort of uh, comfort and, uh, and, uh, and based on, you know, past history, as, you know, the syndicate starts forming and, uh, and you start needing to lock in, um, uh, lock in that finance, which has to be based around contracts, around, um, you know, that, uh, long-term contracts. I would see that that uh, type of um, uh, engagement for me is uh, not determined by the staging of the DFS, so, you know, becoming to maturity in the second half of next year. If the second half of next year is coincident with increasing prices, then you can start then talking to, to utilities and and for me, I want to wait even after the gun has has run. I want to, I want the, the that first wave that the eager beavers will come in and uh, and do all of those uh, issues. That's not going to be enough to satisfy a market, and and then that 
that second wave of oh hell moment. What the hell? How are we going to get there? And what you'll find is uranium price will will be staggeringly fast. It'll 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 move because the fear of shortage, the fear of your of your uh, sort of nuclear fleet being sort of supplied, all of those things come into play. And and so it's not as if you're waiting on a flat on a flat curve or a flat uh, increase and say, oh, you know, that price is going to be out there. It won't be out there. If it goes to 55, already triggers fear of shortage because it won't have gone from, from 30 to 55 without that, without that fear. And um, so we will, you know, and I think the credibility of what we've developed, how we've developed that those contracts, and of course we're going to do a little bit of work in that stage talking to them without mentioning you know, just g'day, g'day. You know, a meeting doesn't work until the fifth meeting that you have, and then you talk about what you really wanted to talk about. But those first couple of meetings, they're just they're just sort of confidence relationship type things, and um, and I think too many people maybe are trying too hard in a situation where the market, who cares whether one utility did a long-term contract for £600,000 uh, out, out there, and this is like the swallow out in the spring. This is nothing. They're, they're just, they, they'll, they'll happen and, you know, Trade Tech announces it and uh, as if it's a, it's a big deal. And I mean, they even announced that this week the price went up to 15 cents. I wouldn't even waste ink on that, you know, honestly. And um, they, it's got to go to places where... Uh, where it's only the brave that can think about that, so and tell, then it will. So, so tell me this, John. That, I, I, I like that thought. Um, but tell me this. There's a lot of um, companies that you, you're saying don't have the fundamentals in place, don't have the skill sets in place, whether it be uh, assets or, or, or other or thinking. Um, what happens to those guys at that moment that you've just described? Because when the utilities start digging around and going, well, can they? When they do their diligence, can this company <clears throat> give me what I need? And the answer is no. What happens? Well, the the whole thing is is that equity money is dumb money. You know, you don't have to convince the uh, uh, you know that you've actually got something that you can do. It's all based on you know, yeah, it's all you try and you're, you're truthful as much as you can, but it is dumb money. And I'm not trying to ridicule those, you know, through placements and all of that. What isn't dumb money is you get a goddamn bank, three or four of them syndicated with, with absolutely people that are, are pains in the ass, just going through you like a shower of whatever. And, uh, and, and from that, their due diligence, and if they say, I'm going to loan you 200 million or 100 million, and even PE companies don't go through that diligence. That's another sort of easy sort of money because the smell of the fee of these groups, you know, they'll do the due diligence and tick 40 spots out there. Yeah, 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 let's go. So some of these projects will go out there untested and they'll go on the, on the, on the euphoria of the product, of the uh, price of uranium and this. And so those projects have a great chance of failing. So project failure will be a part of, it's got to be part of your business model. That as, as in my period when I started with Paladin, there were three or four project failures. Well, that's part of, that's norm. You know, that's the part because nobody had built anything since Chernobyl and, uh, and, and in now. So that you, you, you really uh, need that oh, oh hell moment will happen over a little bit of time because some of them will be living on the promise of delivery, so that's all right because they don't need it until that time. Then, of course, that doesn't happen, and for some it will, for some it won't, and so then it exacerbates what the, what the feeling is. So price then is not just price of uranium, but it's also who is more valuable as a supplier. That's why Cameco is a private, a, you know, a, a sort of a, uh, a first first go to supply as is Ka as is Kaz Adamprom and all of those because it's the same uranium they're all selling, but 
but one pound is there to say, I can bet my grandmother that it will get there. And that is the surety that a utility needs to fuel that much down the line. This is a hugely important side. This is not mucking around, you know, whether, you know, you're a bit short of copper and, oh, oh hell, you know. This is bloody cities and electricity and all of those things that, that, that need to be uh, serviced. So the, the, I, I think those moments of, of realisation will come at two or three different levels. The, the, the real shortage or the shortage, acknowledging of that shortage, uh, all of the people that are putting their hands up that I'm a hopeful producer, that'll seem like uh, it's now the problem is solved. Um, and, and all of the issues that will come out of that for an industry that's been sedentary for a decade, trying to now run a 10 second, 100, 100 metre race and, 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 and get there without collapsing. So um, uh, all of those areas need to, and that's, that's why a lot of financiers, they all look and analysts and, you know, the, this, they, they don't take the human factor into it. They don't take all of those factors and say, hell, beyond that deposit having 100 million pounds in the ground, it's not just that equation, but many others that, that need to be included in, in factoring success and, uh, and where you're going. To me, that's kind of a fascinating point, okay, about is, you liken it to a race. The question is, we know some people are going to collapse on the way to the finish yeah. line. It's a question of how far, how close to the finishing line they get, right? Yeah. You know, I think, I, think, I think that's true. And I think that, in, and we've been talking about um, this as a thematic uh, for our investment group, certainly with our, you know, the private investment club, um, which is last year we saw some tremendous gains for a lot of companies in, in various, various commodities, which is great. And this year has seen some tremendous gains for yeah. Um, uranium um, equities too and I think some people will you know be able to get closer and closer to that finish line but ultimately they're going to fall over I think is it easy for you people like you because you know what you're looking for is it easy for you to point I don't want you to point at them today I just want to say is it easy for you to look at companies and go that has not got a snowball's chance in hell of getting into production I I can turn that around a bit is I can approach some of these companies and say, look, you know, your asset's uh, uh, good. It needs, needs this and that and retweaking. Uh, join it up with us and that has value, accretive value to us, a, a more assured value to your shareholders and it's got a long-term life because it fits in with something, others, other things in the, in the project pipeline that makes a, a whole package. So the... the uh, I, I think, and I have it's not just me that's uh, said it. Uh, Gene Clark on a Sprott uh, uh, conference said that, you know, 80% of projects that start, his opinion, just fail. And um, so the, 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 there's a naturalness in some of these things, particularly as these projects get tougher, you know, they're harder, there's, there's a lot more sort of uh, influences in, in uh, how you go about your business and and the, the teams that are normally there for, you know, not doing much are absolutely not the teams or the boards that you need for doing things. It just it can't be the same because those ones have already left, you know, uh, and, and said, oh, look, I'm going to go another life. I'll, I'll but but this, one I'm getting, this one I'm getting at, John. Okay, so you're, bringing, you're introducing your M&A thematic. We've been talking about it for 18 months together, right? Maybe two years together, right? And, you know, you're, you're out there looking for projects to, to buy because, you know, but they've got to be good ones. So just to flip it on its head is, yeah, there are companies that you can approach because they fundamentally the asset is good. The management don't quite haven't quite got the skills necessarily to kind of get that thing going or extract the value from that. But you're also going to be looking at others and going, uh, the management team's not so good, but neither is the asset. We'll move on to the next thing, right? But you and there know, are that, and you yes. can very quickly work that out. Is, is, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. yeah, and there are. I mean, in our own internal, naturally, we've got, you know, the, there's some priority ones and there's some ones we, we won't look at. And, uh, and, and they're all promoting their projects in a similar level, you know, red hot. And um, now we might be wrong, but, and I'm not saying we're, we're right, uh, but there is a sort of a consideration there that, 
um, already there's a ranking on those deposits uh, and possibilities that are not just the rankings of what what their own individual uh, uh, feasibility studies have ranked them on the cost curve. That's just we don't even we don't take that notice of that. These are theoreticals on 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 an unproven uh, uh, base based on on uh, project engineers that have themselves not built a uranium mine, and and the and and constantly the the authenticity of that old uh, one is now being revised because there's either a refresh a refine, a redo of the same thing. And, and I, I just, yeah, somewhere, somewhere out there there's got to be, uh, yeah, that say, look, boys, we've reached the bottom here. We just can't get any, 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 any more. That's it. And uh, let's sit on our laurels if there are any and, and, and wait. You're not a fan of, uh, you know, reinterpretation and, and new technology. On I am a, I am a, a new technology, and I and, and in fact that's what we're sort of noted for, and how we apply it, and how we know how it works, and uh, and so in in that sense, probably that's one of our biggest advantages, how we view possibility and opportunity through that through that prism, whereas to, for me it's it's a sort of a a theoretical outcome, you know, and uh, and and it's not something that they've actually seen happen or how it happens. So the yeah, I think innovation is is so bloody important, um, uh, which is you know the, the the mantra we had with with Paladin will continue on, and already we are doing things in, in our in our uh, Namibian operation that that has innovation, uh, and you know to really sort of extract more value well let, let, let's we, we better finish by actually focusing on you. you you've shared your great knowledge and views and thoughts on how to play the market and how you're going to play the market um notice some uh upgrade drilling on your dfs yes. obviously yes. i don't think that's quite as important as the hires that you've made but it's still good news so yeah. do you want to give us the well, headlines there so basically so basically just to recap our pfs as I mentioned, even on our last uh, uh, interview, was that it, that it um, clearly stated that uh, a, an operation was was viable, and of the amount that we tested, which was only half, uh, it gave us an eleven-year uh, mine life. And we know how the conversion rates were from in, inferred to indicated to probable. So the the upgrade drilling is uh, to get us to the twenty-year mine life and plus, and uh, by converting the balance of the inferred and the initial uh, results we indicated are showing us a conversion rate that is as we predicted. And in fact, uh, I think the when we eventually come out with the uh, with all of the drilling, we will have a net positive above what we even predicted. Now, who knows, but there, there's some good uh, things happening there. So that uh, we will have a, a uh, an indicated resource that will go straight into the mining model of the DFS and say, look, we've got 25 years, 20 odd years, uh, excluding the exploration potential that we see beyond that, which is to 30 years. Who knows? And that's yeah, that's the 50 kilometres we've yet to drill. Uh, well, we've drilled it, but to really confirm. So we're in a good space uh, in that. Um, we've got a great team, both not only in the technical side, both geology and engineering and uh, processing, but also in the environmental side with our sort of EIA and, and getting all of those things together so that we come through uh, and we've got a granted mining lease at the appropriate time toward the ne end of next year. So, yes, that's that's uh, uh, going. And we've got some other interesting work, the... Uh, with the Japanese joint venture, they've they've now um, uh, uh, approved the swell, and we're contributing to a another phase of work, and that drilling will start in the next uh, yeah, month or so. Um, and, and, and you've got uh, the money to do it. So I think just uh, when we spoke last, end of February, you just raised forty point eight million uh, bucks. Yeah, you've also yeah, raised yeah. another two million through an SBP share, share purchase. Yeah, um, and just completed that. Yes. Why why did yeah. you do that? It's only two million. Oh, yeah, look, I know, uh, and it's, it's a historic thing that uh, I got accused a lot of times that when Paladin took off and ignored the shareholder base and uh, went into placements all the time, blah, blah, blah. And so I thought, oh, well, this time, you know, every time we'll do an SPP and it's engages. I mean, 
we didn't we didn't do enough of it, and I I didn't feel that it was sort of like gluttony. We take everything. You got to have an opinion. Say this is what we want to raise, and this is the the whole thing that was oversubscribed. But we declared that we would only take two million of that, and uh, and and that was the thinking uh, uh, why the SPP was uh, included into that. And you've been buying shares on the way up, have you? Uh, no, I, I haven't. But I, uh, people that are very close to me have. And uh, the um, and and the other thing is the we've got the uh, those options that are being exercised, and there's now you know about twenty seven million of those, and there'll be you know, I think they'll all most of that will come in as another sort of loading onto our sort of uh, on, into our treasury. They they expire June twenty two, and if they stay above seventy five cents. 78, whatever it is, uh, for more than 30 days, they have to be compulsorily uh, uh, exercised. Uh, and there's a, there's a process there so people don't lose that opportunity. So in, in the sense that what we need the funds for, we've got enough funds to, to really execute on a wealth-creating position for the company, both in terms of its, uh, its organic assets and it's um, uh, inorganic in terms of acquisition. It's up to us. It's, it's, we can't blame lack of funds. We can't do this. And, and we've declared what, what our strategy is and, and we'll, we'll get there. Brilliant. John, lovely to catch up with you. Uh, and for your candid yeah. commentary as ever. Yeah. Um, well, like, so just one last question. So what should we be looking at for, for the rest of this year from Deep Yellow? Not so much, well, well maybe and the market. What are you, what are you looking at? Deep Yellow, uh, I would uh, expect to see confirmation of our expectation of the Namibian project and, and hopefully we can deliver a bit more than what we indicated uh, today. Um, uh, we will open up new targets that are nothing to do with the Langer Heinrich type uh, Palio channel. Looking elsewhere, that's the Japanese joint venture. Some of our own work and some of those interesting targets we've got in basement, which is in Rossing type. And the other thing is that is really uh, for us is uh, a creative value and an acquisition. And, and I'm, you know, I'm hoping that that'll happen sooner or sooner than later, and uh, certainly uh, within the year. Right. Okay, John. Stay in touch. Nice talking to you, mate. Good on you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.